Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, let me be the first to say to you, Church on the Rock friends and family, Happy New Year, January 1, 2023. How many of you did not even think you would make it here this far? I cannot believe we are in 2023 already. Although, based on the windstorms over the past couple of weeks in Wasilla and Palmer, I'm glad to be done with 2022. Hey, today we get to join together across all of our campuses, and so it's a real honor to be able to join you there in Palmer, to join you in Willow, join you up in Talkeetna, Um, and we are kicking off tomorrow is the launch day for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something we've been doing for several years now, and we're trying this year to make it even more focused on what God's calling us to as a church in the days ahead. And so what I want to do in our next few moments together is spend some time looking at um, both the idea of prayer from a biblical perspective and fasting from a biblical perspective. And so maybe if you grew up in church or if you didn't grow up in church, you would be asking the question, why should I fast and why should I pray. Maybe you don't even know what fasting really is or is all about, and how does it work? And this is actually a question that Israel is specifically asking God in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah the prophet is bringing a word from the Lord back to the people of Israel. But in Isaiah 58, verses 3 through 5, it begins with Israel asking a question about their praying and fasting efforts. Here's their question, Isaiah 58, Verses 3 through 5. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you, God, don't even notice it. You can hear the frustration, the agitation in their voices. God, don't think we haven't noticed that you haven't answered our prayers. God, don't think that we haven't noticed that you haven't seemed to pay attention to all of the sacrifices that we're making to you. Uh, I went out and bought myself a brand new burlap sack just to be in mourning and fasting before you, God, and yet you aren't doing anything about the things that we're asking of you. Why am I doing all of this sacrificing when you aren't even showing up? Which is a fair question, but God actually has an answer for them that he's going to speak through the prophet Isaiah, I will tell you why, the Lord responds. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? 
And the Lord's response is, oh, I didn't realize you were asking me for something because that isn't what I asked of you. I haven't asked you to just go through the motions of fasting or the motions of sacrificing or the motions of prayer. In fact, what you're communicating to me by being religious but not being righteous in the way you treat others is that it must not be me you're talking to. It goes on, verse 6, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression, stop pointing your finger, and spreading vicious rumors. (laughs) What the Lord's really communicating here is that Our sacrifices aren't what produce his blessing for us. It's actually our willingness to live in obedience that invites his blessing on our lives. And prayer and fasting coupled with obedience is a powerful combination. In fact, he says, your help, your rescue, your blessing will be as sure as the dawning of the sun tomorrow. I will come to your rescue. He wants our heart connected with his heart so that we're moved to action by the things that move him to action. Now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, um, let me back up and define a couple of things so we're all talking about the same thing. When we say prayer... What do we mean? What is prayer? There have been a lot of sort of descriptions of prayer, in particular in recent years, um, that sort of couch prayer in the language of it's just a conversation between you and your best friend. Just talk to God like you would talk to your spouse, or or maybe not in some cases, but talk to God like you would speak with your best friend. Is prayer like having a conversation with your best friend, or... Is prayer like making a request before a king? Or is it both? Because in the process of describing what prayer is relationally, we can also lose the sense of awe that should come with the act of prayer. I would say um, we've lost a significant amount of awe and reverence when it comes to the presence of God. I'll never forget attending a Greek Orthodox service several years ago in Homer. I went up, they were doing an Easter vigil, an all-night vigil over into the next morning. And as I was there for the prayer time, um, when I showed up, I noticed there were no chairs in the room, like the chairs you're sitting in in your room right now, that there were actually no chairs in what I would consider the auditorium or the sanctuary. And as I asked a few questions about why that was, they said, well, we believe that it would be irreverent to come into the presence of God and just have a seat. That if we were in the presence of the omniscient, all-powerful God, 
that that demands something in terms of awe and respect. I think that sense of awe and wonder has been lost on much of the church over the past few years. And when we understand first who it is that we're speaking with, then prayer can be both relational, as God intends it to be, and it is worshipful at the same time. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, this is how it's described. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, tell God what you need, thank him for all he has done, and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. A few years back, I had a relationship that was challenging, and I was talking with my wife about my frustrations in this relationship, and as we were talking about it, she asked me this question. Have you spent as much time praying about this relationship as you have talking about this relationship? Don't you hate it when your spouse is like so right? Like, no, I actually hadn't. And so I committed myself to spending more time praying about that relationship than talking to others about it, than just thinking about it. And what it produced is peace in my own heart and restoration in the relationship. I want to give you a simple tool for engaging in prayer. Maybe you haven't spent much time in prayer, or maybe you think it's really mysterious, but this has been a really simple tool for me in sort of an order to pray some things in. It's called um, Acts Prayer, A-C-T-S. And the A in the Acts Prayer stands for adoration. Uh, this is really a declaration of how great God is, how good he's been in my life, um, the things that I am so grateful for about him. It's not what he's done for me, it's who he is, that God is good, that he is powerful, that he is in control, that he knows everything, that he is the savior of the world, that his Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's all the things that God is, adoring him for those things. And from there, moving to confession, C. In light of who God is, it only makes sense that I would lay out before him, since he already knows all of it, the things that I need him to forgive me of, the things that I am applying the blood of Jesus to in my life. Jesus has already forgiven all sin for all time, and what I'm saying is I recognize that I need it in my life right now. Adoration, confession, and then thanksgiving. This is where I move into, God, you've been so good to me. The lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Uh, my family or my home or that I had a meal today, but all the things that I'm grateful for, moving from adoration for who God is to confession, the things I've done, to thanksgiving, the things I'm grateful for that he's done for me, to finally supplication. These are the things that I need. I can't provide them for myself, whether it's healing or financial resources or, but God, I need you to intervene in this moment. And so I am making supplication before you. I'm requesting something of you. That's the Acts model for prayer. Maybe that's helpful for you. But let me just address briefly a few of the reasons why I believe prayers often go unanswered. 
Because sometimes God may have answered our prayer and we just didn't like the answer he gave or the answer is on its way. And we'll get to that in a moment. But sometimes there are actually barriers to God answering our prayers. In fact, the scriptures give us a few of them. I just want to touch on three briefly here. The first one is you may have gotten the wrong number. In other words, and this happens with Israel quite often in the Old Testament, Israel finds themselves praying to the wrong gods. And there are lots of other religions out there that will tell you that they promote the same Jesus as Christianity. But that Jesus is not the same Jesus as the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible was not a created being. The Jesus of the Bible is God. He has been eternal since the very beginning, and he will be eternal long after this world is gone. He's not the brother of anyone. He's actually God and God alone. And the scriptures couldn't be more clear about that. Sometimes we may just have the wrong number. We may be praying to the wrong God, intentionally or even unintentionally. But it's worth pausing for a moment and saying, am I reaching out to? Am I making my request known to the God of the Bible through the person of Jesus? But the second reason that often our prayers can be hindered is a little more subtle, and it's because we've got poor reception. I don't know, if you live in Alaska, um, you have this frequently. It seems with no matter what carrier you're going with, and I won't start naming the ones that have been frustrations because you already know them. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, listen to this description. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, and it's speaking of physically here, she may be weaker than you are, or she may not in Alaska, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Verse 11, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. It's within reason that in your marriage relationship, you are living with your spouse in such a way that it is hindering God from actually hearing and answering your prayer. Wrong number, poor reception, and the third one is misguided motivations. James chapter 4 really digs into this. James says this, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from your evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want, because you don't ask God for it. In verse 3, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That selfish motivation in prayer. When asking in the wrong motivation, God does not respond with the answer that you and I want. Which brings me to fasting. What is fasting and how does it work? How am I supposed to participate in it? Is fasting just saying no to whatever I don't want or whatever I want to say no to? 
in recent years, fasting has sort of taken on its own sort of character. I'm going to fast social media. I'm going to fast TV. We pick and choose the things that we want to fast, which is fine. It's probably a good discipline. But biblically speaking, fasting is always associated with food. And I actually think there's a really specific reason for that. Because if we just pick and choose the things that we want to fast, maybe uh, my wife and I, or maybe just me, I'm going to fast vegetables over the next three weeks. I'm going to fast owning a cat over the next three weeks. I'm going to fast colonoscopy, right? I mean, like, pick whatever you want. Uh, But that isn't how the scriptures describe fasting. They actually directly link fasting with food. And you could fast some foods. You could fast all food, but it's connected with food. And I actually think there's a really specific reason for that. And it's because food is absolutely essential to life. But it's also something that you and I could go an extended period of time without. Air is also essential for life, but that's a pretty short fast. Uh, Like it's over before you know it. Uh, But food is something that we could actually go for a prolonged period and cry out to God during that time. I think the scriptures connect it to food because it's a reminder to us that God is our source of life, that Jesus is the bread of life. In fact, in John chapter 4, a really popular passage where Jesus meets this woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. They have an encounter. She recognizes he is the Messiah. Um, And then she goes back to town to tell everyone. And while this exchange has been happening, the disciples have gone into town to get some food because they're all hungry. Jesus was hungry when they left, and now they're on their way back with the food. John chapter 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, the disciples asked? Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. It's an interesting correlation. Like they were all hungry, but Jesus has experienced this satisfaction that is deeper than food. A hunger that is deeper than food, a hunger that is eternal, a hunger to do the will of the Father. And in doing the will of the Father, he has found himself satisfied more than food could ever satisfy him. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus makes this statement in verse 16. And when you fast, it's interesting he says, and when you fast, not if you fast. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward already. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Prayer and fasting are linked together in the scriptures. If we're not eating food, and that's all we're doing, then you're dieting or starving. But the combination of fasting and prayer is something that invites the blessing of God into our lives in really unique and powerful 
ways. And when we understand what's at stake, we are far more willing to engage in these activities. In fact, I want to close out with this story found in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is an Old Testament prophet who finds himself in exile. God primarily has spoken to him through dreams and visions. And Daniel recognizes that the time is coming for Israel to be delivered from their captivity, first under the Babylonians and then under the Medes and the Persians. And and so Daniel decides he's going to set aside a period of time for prayer and for fasting so that he could hear from the Lord. And as he's been praying and fasting, this is what happens in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. When the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks, 21 days. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. Verse 9, then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. Verse 12, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven I have come in answer to your prayer. Daniel, from day one, from the moment you began to pray, I was sent to you with an answer. But it's taken 21 days for him to get there. He goes on and says this, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. What? Like, however strange all of that may sound, and all of the other theological and doctrinal discussions that we could have about this passage, what it clearly reveals, and Jesus will reiterate in the New Testament, is that our willingness to persist in prayer and in fasting actually produces something in the spiritual battles going on around us. What if Daniel had quit on day 20? What if he hadn't persisted into the next day? In fact, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 11, and we don't have time to get into the whole parable. But in Luke chapter 11, he describes the situation where you have friends who show up in the middle of the night. You don't have enough food to feed them. So you go to your neighbor's house and your neighbor says, leave me alone. I'm already in bed and the doors are locked, but you just keep on knocking. And that eventually your friend will get up just because of your persistence, not because of the friendship, but because you have bugged him so much, he will finally get up and answer your request. And then he says this in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
this idea of persistence in prayer is throughout the scriptures. And over the next 21 days, kicking off tomorrow, we're inviting you to join us that corporately as a church, we would spend time in both fasting and prayer, seeking God's direction and desire for us in the days ahead. We've put together a beautiful book called 21 Ways We Pray. It's actually brief descriptions of different ways that our staff go to God in prayer. Our hope is that it would be helpful for you that you would find new and creative ways to engage in prayer. There are things like praying while I'm driving or prayer beads or all kinds of different descriptions. And we're making that book available to you. But we also put together a little brochure on fasting. It describes biblical fasting, but it also describes um, how you engage in it in a healthy way. I would encourage you, grab one of those today as you are going to head out here in a while. But we want to make those tools available to you. But our invitation is this. Church on the Rock exists to help people love, live, and lead like Jesus. And we want to be successful at that mission at the highest possible level. And so we're inviting you to pray with our leadership, with our board, with our elders over these next 21 days that God would give us clarity in the days ahead how we can join him in all that he wants to do right here in the Matsu Valley. So Jesus, our prayer today is that we would hear your voice, that we would join you in this action of fasting and prayer, but more importantly, that you would pour out your presence and your blessing on it. And we look forward to what you're going to accomplish in the days ahead. And we say we are so grateful to partner with you. In Jesus' strong name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you, Church on the Rock. We're looking forward to what he's going to do in the days ahead. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.